Welcome to the Encounter Christian Church Message Podcast, where we bring you the latest messages from our Sunday services. To find out more about Encounter or to plan your visit with us, you can find us online at www.encounter.cc. We hope you enjoyed this message. Well, this is our new series called Strokes and Swings. And you're probably thinking that's a really weird title for a message. And yes, it is. It's to get your attention. And, um, and this is a series that's going to be over four weeks. We've just had a series called Soul um, Food, which was about our soul. It was about our spirits. It was about, you know, prayer and reading the word and spending time with God. And so this is a series which is practical. We're going to do a series that what the Bible says about certain issues. So today, don't put your your fences up or your doors because it's going to talk financial how it's going to talk about money yes I'm going to talk about money and finances but please it's 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 about you okay it's not about what I can get out of you it's about you next week we're talking about relationships so if you know somebody who's struggling with some relationships or or they need to hear a message on relationships and we're going to do some practical message next week on relationships so each week's going to be really practical bible teaching on what the bible says because we've had a real kind of spiritual kind of focus and I might go a bit quick today so those people, I know some of the people that English isn't their first language, they, they say I talk really quick, and today I might go extra quick. I don't mean to, but I have a lot to get through. And just to set this series up, what do strokes and swings mean? Well, this is really a message about how we practically can align our life with God's Word. It's a, a message about balance. It's a message about alignment. It's a message about just getting a rhythm with God's word and with him and what he's saying over your life. And that as we get a rhythm in following his ways, then we gain momentum. We get this momentum that, that pushes us into the future. Now, I did some research on rowing. So this is a message based on rowing terms. That's why there's some rowers there. Now, rowers row. And, you know, when they compete, they row in unity. And the person at the very back, you know when you row, they actually row backwards. You remember? They row backwards. See, rowers row in a direction they can't even see. Like, they can't see where they're going. And it's a bit like you and me. We, we, we can see where we've been, but we can't see where we're going. Our back's to our future. We can hope. We can dream. We can pray. But we don't know what tomorrow brings. And so we're like rowers rowing into our future, not knowing what it will be. But you know, at the back of the boat which is the front of the boat for the people looking at it. So they're looking back at the back of the boat. And in the back of the boat is the coach. The coach is there. He's not rowing. The coach is cheering. The, the, the coach is giving directions. The coach is telling them which way is forward. See, the coach is looking forward while they're looking back. So the coach is looking and can see what's ahead and is holding the rudder. And see, the coach is like our father. It's like the creator. It's like God. God is the coach. He's in your boat. So the good news is God is in your boat. He's in your boat with you, and he's steering the boat. He's telling you this way, this is ahead. You can't see it, but you're looking into his face. You're looking into his eyes. You're hearing his voice, and you're trusting that he knows what's best for your life. But you know, at the very back of the boat, just below the coach, is a guy called, the or a woman called the stroke. They're the first rower, which is at the very back of the boat. And they're below the coach, and the stroke sets the pace of the stroke. The rest of the rowers are watching the coach and they're watching the stoke, stroke, the stoke, the stroke. And so as the stroke goes fast, they go fast. As the stroke goes slow, they go slow. So their pace is set by the one person who's right below the coach. They, the, the, the stroke can see the face of the coach better. The stroke is listening and seeing the facial movements on the, co on the, on the coach better than the guy right up the very front. 
And so as the stroke is setting the pace and the rhythm, the rest of the rowers are, are getting in unison. So they have to be in unity. They have to be as one. And you, when you watch the rowers and they get into one, and they're, they're, the oars hit the water at the same time, and then the oars come out, and they're doing it at the same pace, at the right motion, at the right rhythm as they watch the sto stroke, then that's called a swing. They actually create a momentum. You know how it, it, they look like they're gliding on the water? It's almost like ease. That's a swing. So a swing is almost intangible. It, it, it basically means that forward momentum that can't be explained, but it's when, when, when a boat is going in perfect unison, in perfect unity, it covers so much ground in so much ease. And we, wanna, we want that in our life. We want the strokes of our life to be lining up with God and together with others in a team. And, and the stroke could be in a church setting. Maybe the pastor's saying, this is the way we should go. We should go forward. We should back off. Maybe in a home, it's the parents. And in a workplace, it's the boss. But if we buck the system and we go, I'm not doing it that way, I'm doing my own thing, well, you're always going to hit the water at the opposite time to everybody else's oars, and the boat's going to go nowhere, it's going to be a mess. So unity is the key for momentum in your life and following God's way. <clears throat> so that's what this series is about. And so the first week this week is financial health, and I'm going to talk about what does the Bible say about money. In fact, the Bible says heaps about money. The money and treasure or wealth is one of the most talked about subjects in the entire Bible. There's 2,000 references to treasure, wealth, or money. 40% of Jesus' parables are about money. Why does the Bible talk about money so much? Because it knows that the, at the heart of so many relationship issues and stresses in our life, it's about money. It's about money. The pressure it can put on us and the freedom it can bring. It also says in the Bible, it talks about that money or treasure and our heart are linked. They're very much linked. And if you show me where your money goes, I can tell you where your heart is. And God uses money as an indicator of where our true heart really is. There's a scripture in Matthew 6.21, if we can put that up. It says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So whatever you treasure... Your, your heart will be there. So you, you're into your kids, you'll be at all these, lots of kids' events. What it, where your hobby is, your heart is there. You know? you, whatever your treasure is, there your heart will be. So there's a link in there. Now, I'm not a financial advisor, so this is my disclaimer. I'm not giving you financial advice today. And you're not paying for it, so it's okay to do this anyway. <laughs> but I'm open to, um, no, it's all right. Um, <laughs> it's okay. Um, our background, I'm going to talk about my, why am I talking about this money? Because I want to talk about something God showed me. This is, more, I, 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 this is my story that God showed me about money and finances. And I just want to share my testimony with you of what he showed me. You know, for years, we studied. We had part-time jobs. We, we lived in, you know, America, and, and Kathy's talked about it. We tied some weeks more than our grocery bill. We, we had food hampers. We went to the food share banquet the other night and, you know, we were recipients of, ha of hampers and Christmas hampers and, and weekly hampers. There was a Catholic church where we were in New York and we were on the list to receive hampers every week of, of baby formula because we had a young child and we didn't have money. Like, we'd have $10 for groceries a week and, and so... We were poor, like we, we didn't have much. And when we go out with our friends, we were always the ones that were shouting because Rob and Kathy don't have money. They've always got part-time jobs or they're studying and, and all that type of thing. And I saw so many pastors over the years who just didn't have much money. And then I saw them retire 
and they retired with nothing. And I thought, why, do, why would you want to be a part? Why would you want to serve God if at the end of your days of all your faithful service, you, couldn't, you didn't even own a house and you were like on the pension surviving week to week? And I thought, well, that's not a reflection of a glorious Christian life. And so I went on a quest. God, what, what's the difference? What makes it that some people financially well off and, and others and, and some could be serving in the church? And, and so this is kind of a reflection of what I discovered. And this scripture stood out to me, Proverbs 13, 22. It says, a good man, or could be a good woman, leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. So that's, that's telling me that, that God desires that I would have enough that I could leave inheritance for my children and, their, and my grandchildren. And that speaks to me of an abundance and an oversupply. And I thought, well, I want that. Maybe you don't. That's like a, but this is me. I wanted to be financially stable and well. I, wanted to, I didn't want money to determine what I do in life. I wanted God's will to determine it and that I had the resources to do it and to be generous. And I didn't want money to be my prison. I, I wanted to be free. And so I pursued this and, you know, I studied, um, ended up becoming a business teacher. So I taught high school business and finances. Um, and God showed me some things. And I just want to give you these outline of these points. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them. There's about five of them. You'll see a lot of these in, in business books and in financial investing books as well. Because the Bible's a book of wisdom. That wisdom is, is universal. God's wisdom can be used in lots of different fields. And so my first point is this. This is the, the, where it starts, our motivation. And it's this. Who do you serve? Is God first? So who do you serve? Bob Dylan sings a song, which I'm not going to sing, or I could try. You're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you've got to serve somebody. You know. Anyway, there's a... And he goes on to say, you might be rich, you might be famous, you might be a millionaire, but everybody serves somebody. The PM, the Prime Minister, he serves the Australian people. You know, no matter who you are, you're serving somebody or something. We all serve somebody. And Matthew 6.24, I've got lots of scriptures to back up what I'm talking about. It says this, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So what, what Jesus is saying in this scripture here is money's not bad, but who's, who's on the throne of your life? You could say God is, but he might be, you might have 10 things, but he could be second. So you're thinking he's up there, so he's, he's on the throne. But who's on top? God, God doesn't want to be second best. He wants to be number one in your life. Second best not good enough for him. He's either Lord or he's not. So he, money can be second if that's what you're thinking. But God has to be first if he's really your Lord. And, and that's what he wants. He wants our motivation to be serving him. Are your decisions based on I'm not going to take that job and move to that city because it pays less money? Or is it God told me to go and it pays less money? I will go anyway. Do you know what I mean? That, that's the difference. What is the motivation at the end of the day? Is it God's will or is it the money? So that is an indicator of who is on the throne of your heart. So number one, he wants to be on the throne of your heart. Number two thing, when he's on the throne of your heart, earn honest money. The Bible's really clear about earning honest money. It says in Proverbs 13, 11, wealth gained honestly, or hey, sorry, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. In other words, uh, you know, I've got friends, they go for quick rich schemes and this latest this and that, and I've seen them 10,000 on this, and that guy was fraudulent, and two years later, the same person invested 20,000 on this, and the thing was fraudulent. Just 
everyday people earning a stable income every week is what the Bible teaches, little by little, that stability, a reliable income is more important than the big going for gold, going to the casino and trying to make it big. And so many of these books that your rich dad poured out, they talk about everyday teachers and nurses who just have stable, consistent incomes are the ones that accumulate lots of wealth because that's a real key, just earning an honest living week after week, day after day, having a routine, having a rhythm with that. It says in Proverbs 16.8, a little gained honestly is better than a great wealth gotten by dishonest gains. It is better, the Bible says. It is better to have little that is done honestly than a lot that is done dishonestly. And we've seen that in the media over the years. You, you Rene Rifkin and some of these guys that were just big shooting, you know, Christopher Skates, you know, million and billionaires, and they ended up dying of this or suicide or losing everything or going to jail for fraud. They would have been better just earning a little bit honestly over a longer period of time. And that's the key, earning honest money week after week. The third thing is put God first, okay, in all areas of our life. Put God first in all areas of our life. Honor him. If he's the Lord of your life, he's the Lord of the throne of your heart, then he needs to be first. And the principle of God being first is all through the Bible, all through scriptures, him being first. Honor God with your best. Proverbs 3, 9 to 10. This is a breakthrough. Like for some people, you get hold of this. This is a breakthrough for your finances. It doesn't matter how much you earn or how little you earn. These principles, they're like strokes, 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 strokes. Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income. And he will fill your barns with wheat, barley, and overflow your wine vats with the finest wines. This is a little section here. I'm going to talk about tithing, but then I'm going to move on about money in general. I can't not talk about tithing because that's a fundamental principle in the Bible of God's strokes. By putting him first, it doesn't just say you're going to have a year's worth of rice. It's talking about Malt, wheat, barley, wine. It's talking about when we put God first, he blesses us in multiple dimensions of our life, in multiple areas of your life. And when I look at the part about the wine, it's about quantity and quality. He says, put me first and your vat will be overflowing. It won't just be, it'll be overflowing. So that's about quantity. That's about having more than enough. But it's not like you've got more than enough of something that's not really good. You know, I've got a lot of like black and white label coals of some. He gives you the best brand of it. He says the wine is not only overflowing, it is the best quality wine there is. It's not the cheap stuff, it's the expensive stuff. So it speaks about when we put him first, that he's, he's a test. It's a promise in the Bible that he will look after the rest in abundance. God wants us to be intentional about our giving. The Bible has this principle, and it's called tithing, and I'll briefly, it talks about, when, when it says put God first, it actually means give him the first 10%. And all through the Old Testament, that's what he taught the Israelites to do. They would get their first 10% of what they earned. The reason was it was the first, because you, I know what you'd be like and you'd be like me. If I had the money and I did it at the end, there'd be no money left. Do you know what I mean? We'd have no money. I, I will give God some money when I've paid all my bills, I've done everything. At the end of the day, no matter how much you earn, there ends up being none left because we live to our standards of, of what we earn. So he says, put me first so I'm not a tack on. I'm, I'm first in your life. I'm on the throne. That's how I know I'm your Lord. But you know what? You might say, Pastor Robbie, 10%, I'm just new to this thing. I can't do that. That's too much, and that's fair enough. But why don't you just start the rhythm, 1%? 1%, 2%, 3%, 4%, 5%, 6%, 7%, 8%, 9%, 10%, 11%, 12%, 13%, 14%, 15%, 16%, 17%, 18
Why don't you just start getting in a habit or a routine of putting God first in your finances? When you first get paid, do 2%. If you get 3%, I can do 3%. So over the next three months, I'm going to do 3%. And then work your way up. Just start, start get the oars in the water. Just start into, in that principle. See, some people say tithing is no law, no longer a law because it's Old Testament. Whether it's a law or not, it's a principle. It's a policy. Just because it's not a law doesn't mean you don't do it. When it's a policy or a principle, you do it. So whether it's law or principle, who cares? It's a, it's, it's a principle in the Bible that God says to have your best life, the best financial is to do this thing before me. So can I encourage you to get on that journey? It's not about the church. It's about you lining your life up with God's ways in your finances. Earning your income honestly. Making him first in your life. Knowing that your heart and your money are a reflection of each other. Giving him your first there's a scripture here called Deuteronomy 14, 23 to 24. And here it goes. It says, The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. If the place the Lord always chooses for his century, if the place the Lord chooses for his century is so far away that it isn't convenient to carry your tithes to that place, blah, blah, blah. And it goes in. Basically, it's saying, you got about a, you're tithing about 50 sheep. And the local church is too far to take the sheep. You can sell the sheep and take the cash because that's more inconvenient. So that scripture is indicating to us, where do we give our tithes? Do we give it to T.D. Jake's ministry? Do, I'm not going to give to the church. I'm going to give to RSPCA. No, the tithe is for God's house. His house is his body. He's, all through scripture, when they tithe, they gave it to their local temple. If you go to another church, don't tithe to this church. You tithe where you go to church. Tithe goes to the church. It's the 10% that God says is holy. And if we give him the 10%, that's holy. If we put him first in our life, our other 90% is then sanctified for our own free will to choose what we do with it. Next point, we've moved on from tithing, is be intentional, plan and budget your money. Planning. So many people don't plan with their money. Like, if you don't plan, you're just going to spend and it's going to go nowhere. So I encourage you, every book on finance talks about budgeting. Proverbs 21.5 says this, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who's hasty comes only to poverty. In other words, be organized with your money. Have a budget where things go. I'm going to help you. There's two books that are going to come up on the screen here. One's a Christian book, one's not. Paul Deong, um, from pastor from Life Church in New Zealand, wrote a book, God, Money, and Me. And he wrote this book, and you could do it as a connect group. It's got a, you can do it, do it by a series and do it as a connect group. And he talks about budgeting your finances. And he kind of thought that he'd been a, you know, in ministry for 20 years and he realized he didn't have much money. Excuse me. I was debating whether to take the flu shot to the sporting flu shot, the flu pill or not. I, did, I, I thought I won't take it. But it does about it. It's all good. Yeah. Anyway, so he then realized, you know what? Just because I serve the church and put all my time into the church doesn't mean I'm going to be financially well off. I've got to sow the right seed to be financially well off, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. And he realized, I've got to sow the seed of finances to reap a harvest of finances. If I sow the seeds of good relationship, I'll have good relationship. Sowing the seeds of a good relationship, 
I'm going to build me the harvest of finances. So he, he, his book talks about that. So I encourage you, if you want to read that, get that. And this other one, The Barefoot Investor, man, that's just an awesome book. There's people in this church who have told me they, they do what this guy says. There's a pastor from my church on the Gold Coast. He was always like putting his holidays on credit cards and never had enough money because he does, wasn't earning much as a pastor. And he put all the principles of Barefoot Investor in. And now he has all these margins in his life. His holidays are paid for in advance. He just raves about this book. I've read it myself. So I encourage you. This, it's a great book, practical about budgeting your money, putting money away for the car repairs, money over here for holidays, money away for generosity, and having margin in your world. When we have margin... The stress goes out of our world. When we, we have money set aside for different things because we budget, we don't have to stress about, oh, no, the car costs $1,000. Oh, I've got that in the, the, the budget for, for car repairs. So I encourage you to, to budget. It helps with margins. Paul Young, in his book, has this is his basic thing. I'm pretty sure remembering it by heart. Is Take 10%, that's your tithe, give it to the church. 10% for future investment, put it in a savings account or into some kind of investment, and that goes there, and then live on 80%. So his thing is pretend you've only got 80%, 10 to the church, and 10 is a seed for the future. So every pay, you're putting 10% into a savings or into some kind of investment. So that's, that's kind of his thing. So you read those and check them out. Next thing is be generous. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says this. But remember this, if you give little, you will get little. A farmer who plants just a seed, few seeds will, only, um, will get only a small crop. But if he plants much, he will reap much. It makes sense, doesn't it? You throw a little bit of seed out, you're going to get a little bit of a harvest. You throw lots of planting of a big farm field, you're going to get a big harvest. So the Bible talks about if we're generous a little bit, it's okay, you'll reap a little bit. But if we're really generous, we'll reap a lot more. What we sow, we reap. So be generous with your finances. Live and give within your means. Don't, don't take this message and run away and go, you know, in a few months we'll probably do some kind of building um, offering to, to look at revamping kids' church areas. I'd love all the kids' church to be in one building instead of going to two different areas. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll look at some things for, for the future. But don't go when we do that offering, I earn 30000 a year and I'm going to commit 20000 to the church. That's just stupid. Do you know what I mean? I will tell you, don't give it. If I know you only earn that and you're given that, unless I know you won the lotto, or you've got an inheritance, I'm going to tell you we don't want you. Your, your financial future and balance is more important than trying to get you. You know, live with wisdom in what you do. Don't live off credit cards to your limit all the time. Just wisdom. Don't give beyond your means. I'm going to shout everyone to lunch today. But I won't be able to pay the electricity bill next week. Well, that's just stupid. You know what I mean? We've got to be smart with our money. I'm going to throw a little challenge out here. Okay, this is my first one. All the chairs here, and look, when they were bought, they, I'm sure, like they were really cool and trendy. I think it's time for new chairs. I'm just going to throw it out there. Time for new chairs. I've had the chair company that do all church chairs all around Australia. They've come, measured out this whole room, told us how many we can get in here, and they've given me a price for new chairs. Not top of the range, not bottom of the range. Ones that have a big back that aren't going to hurt your back because those chairs aren't good for people that... They're good for me, but for people who are taller than me, which is 95% of the community, <laughs> you're going to get a sore back. These are kind of cloth ones. They're not plastic. They're good, comfortable chairs. We can get a row of them that have arm rests that match with the wet rest for people who, who need arm rests that we can do one row. So, and we'd have it for years and years and years and years. You would think chairs wouldn't be too expensive, would you? You'd be shocked. I'm shocked. 
Okay, chairs are $27,000. And that's just the average chairs that are foam and comfortable. So I'm gonna throw it out there. If you're a businessman, businesswoman, whatever, it's the end of the financial year in a couple of weeks, you need to unload some money out of your trust account. <laughs> this is a great opportunity to throw your money away to a good cause. Not throwing your money away, but I'm just throwing it out there. You know, on our offering, there's a, you'll see at the end of the service, you can tick other. You might say shares, Sh shares. Yeah, you could say shares. Say chairs. <laughs> we haven't got any shares, but you could do shares. And, and give to that. Maybe there's three people who could do 8,000 each. Maybe there's a whole heap of people who do 1,000. I'm just throwing it out there. I would love to get some new chairs. I need dark gray, blend in with the building and look really good. So I'll leave it with you. Faith is about stretching but not going crazy with it. My last point is this, is, this is where, okay, all the other things about strokes, putting, putting the oars in in unity. This is where the momentum, the swing kicks in for financially for your life. Invest and save for the future. Tomorrow's fruit comes from today's seed. Tomorrow's fruit comes from today's seed. Fruit comes from trees, but the tree comes from a seed. If you don't plant the seed, you're not going to get the fruit. To believe for fruit that you haven't planted seeds for is silly as well. The farmer who sits there and says, I'm waiting for the crop, and he's looking at the, the fields all day, is just silly. He's got to put the seed or she into the ground to get the fruit. Like I said, if you want fruit in your relationships, what are some seeds you'd plant? You'd, you'd plant a seed of forgiveness, maybe. You plant seeds of kindness, seeds of good communication. But they're not necessarily going to grow you financially for the future. They will. If you get divorced, then you lose half your wealth. So, yes, they can be connected. <laughs> All these things connect each other. But purely if we look at it, to financially have gain, we have to, we have to plant the seeds for finances. If you hold those seeds in your hand like this, they will never grow. The seeds have to go into the right soil to grow. And there's a parable in the Bible, um, the parable of the, some, what some call it the talents or the stewards or whatever, the parable of the talents. And God, it's a picture of the master, but, but it's a picture of God, and he has these three servants, and he gives X amount, like, you know, ten coin, five coins to, to one, three to another, and one to one. The guy that got one planted in the ground. Now, if I put seeds in the ground, they might grow. But if I put coins in the ground, they're not going to grow. Do you know what I mean? I put a $10 note and a couple of $1 coins in the backyard. In a year's time, it's going to be a $10 note and a couple of $1 coins, isn't it? But if I take those seed and I plant it in the right soil, the economy, share market, property, some good type of investment, then that will just grow of its own accord. So your seed needs to be in the right soil. So if you want to financially prosper, you've got to give God something to grow and work with. So you've got to take your seed, whether it's that bit you put away above your tithe, your saving. It could be the deposit. You know, you get that seed of a deposit for a house and you buy the house. Then houses, you bought a house in Sydney and, you know, they go and went crazy there. You can make more money in five years than you can never earn in a lifetime. That's the power of growth. So I encourage you, all through the Bible, it talks about investment. And this parable talks about how, how the master was pleased with the servants that invested in the right soil. They knew that the soil 
for coins and talent was the economy, was to trade. The other one didn't know what the right soil was. He lived in fear, he took no risks. In other words, he held his coins so tight in his hand. And I know what it's like if you're going to, you know, people that invest in the share market. Well, it's in your bank account. It's nice and safe, isn't it? But it's not going to grow much. But if you invest it in something that has potential to grow, it's actually scary because you've let go. But you can't get growth without letting go. You can't hold it in your hand. But you've got to be wise and, you know, research and check it all out. Only planted seed produces fruit. So I encourage you, how can you get momentum in your financial boat? One, you've got to have these structures in place. God has to be the Lord of your heart, Lord of money. Two, I've forgotten my two. Earn money on money honestly, just reliable working every week. Put God first in every area of our life, our giving, our generosity, our tithe. Be intentional, budget your money. It's not rocket science, most of this stuff. And lastly, to grow financial fruit, you've got to plant financial seed and seek advice, be wise about it. But reading some of these books that I showed you can help you. As I start to conclude today, the music guys could come up. This is a fairly practical message, and I'm not going to preach on finances every week. If you're new, this is the first time I've preached on finances. But I think if the Bible talks about finances so much, why do we go, oh, we shouldn't talk about money in church? But money is such a crucial part of our life, it, and it can make or break us. It can make and break our family. And It's not about how much you earn. It's about a principles, putting principles in place that are the rowing, the rowing, rowing in unison with what the Bible says, and then when your seed's planted, then you can start to get some momentum. The stress of life can come from just having margins in your life, just... Budgeting can help with margins. You don't have to worry about that bill. It's okay. I've got X over here amount. I've got X amount over here. God wants you to have a life that has margins. But what does this all come down to? It comes down to everything I've said at the end of the day. It's about who's on the throne of your heart. It's about putting God first in every area of our life. And that he's number one. I wonder if we could stand this morning. I want to pray over our finances as a church. Pray over your finances as an individual. Next week, we're going to be talking on relationships, so it's going to be totally different. But I want some practical tools for you, what the Bible says about living life. Why don't you close your eyes, be comfortable lifting your hands. You can have a bit of music, thanks, guys. And I'm just going to pray over every family, every person here. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are the Lord of our heart and that we do put you first. And I pray that you would give wisdom, Father, because the Bible says wisdom comes from heaven above. I pray for wisdom in every mind and every heart as people seek out and chew over this word, Father, and be intentional with their finances and their budgeting. But I pray, Lord, as you give opportunity for people to plant their seed, Father, a little here, a little there, Father, the rhythm of every week doing what they need to do, Father, that you would cause their boat to, Father, to have momentum through the water, that you would bring breakthrough, Father, in families, breakthrough in finances, Father, opportunities, Father, for people to be increased, that they could be generous, Father, they could use a resource, Father, as a blessing, that it wouldn't be a curse, but it would be a blessing to them, Father. It would bring fulfillment to their lives, Father, fulfillment to their families, Father, and to our community. In Jesus' name, breakthrough. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you for listening to this message. To stay in touch with Encounter, follow us on Instagram at encounter.cc. 
or find us on Facebook at encounter.shepherdin.